Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by cardiologist Dr. Paddy Barrett, chatting all things cardiovascular disease. The way I look at this is that the the two statistics that everyone should really be aware of is cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death globally and in most developed nations, but it's also the most preventable. 90% of it can be prevented at an early stage if you just follow the right steps and formula. So I look at it as a, a scary opportunity. As ever available on all podcast platforms. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. On occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. I'm Nicola Tallent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. This is an Irish independent podcast. Ireland remain on course for a Six Nations Grand Slam after a dominant 36-0 win over Italy in the Aviva Stadium on Sunday. But Andy Farrell's men aside, the standard of this year's competition hasn't quite hit the heights thus far. And on today's episode of the Left Wing Podcast, we are going to ask why that is. Will Slattery here with you. Delighted to be joined in studio by Luke Fitzgerald and on the line by Keane Tracy. And Luke, obviously Ireland, you know, comprehensive winners two weeks in a row, two bonus point victories in a row. So all's good on that front. But like the standard across the weekend, I thought, was pretty poor. We got a lot of excitement in week one, the Scotland-Wales comeback. But just in the cold light of day, watching those two games on Saturday, mediocre and unfair. Like Ireland seemed to be streets ahead of certainly their remaining opponents on the schedule for this competition. Do you, do you agree? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, there were fairly turgid affairs, um, lots of talk about different rules and stuff you don't want to be talking about after a weekend of Six Nations rugby. Um, although in saying that, we still got lots of drama. Like there's still, there were tight finishes um, and, you know, that that, that was there. Um, but it, like it's quite clearly, uh, you know, a, a rebuilding phase uh, for, for lots of the teams. Um, you know, you can you can see that fairly clearly from the quality of of, of the rugby. Um, so it's probably to be expected. But but as well, like to ally to that, the start of the competition. You hear me say it every year, Will. It's always a bit more defence orientated. Anyway, it's hard to get everyone coming into national camp and get things up and running straight away. Now I know it's not that long ago that we were at the World Cup, but it does have an impact. You know, you're, there's lots of different philosophies. You've one week together before the competition starts to get on the same page, to get your timing right, all these kind of things. And generally speaking, the team that defends the best and kicks the best, um, I think, starts the competition the best. And um, Ireland have been a bit better than that. But I still think there's more for them to go in their attack. I think they could be a little bit more accurate there. But I think their defence has been the standard thing. I think they've kicked the ball really well as well. They're the two things that have stood out to me. Um, and of course, they've got most of their set piece right. I know the scrum is still up for debate, but certainly the line out is in a very different place than it was at the World Cup. So, um, yeah, they look ahead of the competition. Um, but I'd be wary as well. I think England away still is a big one. Anything other than a Grand Slam. I'm not just... I'm oh, not, no, we can be disappointed. Like, yeah, I'm not sure, trying to be sure. like clipped out as some real arrogant Irish, like, you know, mm. podcast host, something like that. But like, just looking at the fixtures, looking at how the team's playing, anything other than a Grand Slam will be a major disappointment. 
it would be a yeah. No, it would be a disappointment. Like I still think England away, like they ran South Africa very close in that semi final. I know South Africa were exhausted after. Raining, yeah, no, I know completely fair, but you still have to run them close. And those conditions generally would suit South Africa, you know. So I wouldn't I wouldn't rule them out as having a big defensive display and a good kicking display in them, which could make things very, very difficult. And I think their lineup might be a little bit better. Um, you know, Porthwick is renowned as a brilliant lineup operator. So he could easily get that that right by that stage of the competition. So I would um Say you're right. I think they're better than all the all the all the teams that they are facing. Um, better team, playing better too. Uh, should have momentum. Um, you know, by that kind of key fixture. But that is still a very difficult fixture. And Scotland are playing reasonably okay. They're you know they're confident, but I'd expect Ireland to to beat them well as well. So look, it, it is what we expect from this team. Um, and it will be a disappointment if they don't deliver it, but. Let's not like Twickenham is still a difficult place yeah, to go. No, that, that, that's true. Mm. That, that is true. Like even even bad England teams like at home will be you know it won't be a, an easy win. But just looking at the team sheet, the way the teams are playing, you'd mm. expect Ireland to be too good for the remaining opponents. But look, there's still three matches to go. Keen, what's your perspective on what you've watched? Uh, you know, across the first two weekends, we did a Six Nations jury on. Uh, the Irish Independent website, the last question was kind of whether it was down to a World Cup hangover or what the various factors were at play. Like, what's your perspective on what we've seen from the various teams? And, and realistically, what's been a, a very, Ireland aside, a relatively poor start from the other five teams? Yeah, I think it has. I think the confidence levels, uh, including from you, Will, almost makes me uncomfortable, I have to say. It's just we're not used to, I think, as as Irish people being in this situation, I think we much, much prefer to be the underdogs, but it's the reality of the situation that Ireland find themselves in. And it's not just off the back of the last two games, it's what they put together in the lead up to the World Cup. Obviously, unfortunately, fell short at the quarterfinal hurdle, but I think there is a World Cup hangover. We spoke about it quite a bit after the, the game in Marseille that it looked like France had a World Cup hangover, but to me, it looks like the rest of the teams have a hangover as well. And, Lou kind of touched on it there. I think you have to, I think, consider the the physical, I think, and mental preparation that goes into, and again, Luke will know way more about this than I will, but that goes into preparing for a World Cup. So when you put put that in, it's I'd say it can be difficult to get back up to that high, even though like if you look at France, for example, like their club teams have been going really, really well. So it's hard to put your finger on why it's been so disappointing for them. It's easy to kind of point to, I suppose, Anton Dupont. But I see the knives are out still in the French media for Galtier. I don't think, you know, they won in, in Murrayfield last weekend. But I think the pressure is still very much on him considering the, the kind of rugby that he played. Obviously, a moment of magic ended up winning it for France. Italy under a new head coach. I was really disappointed. I know we're going to get stuck into talking about the game on Sunday. I thought they were very poor, to be honest. Uh, Scotland to me, don't look like they've kicked on from the World Cup. They seem like they're still in that kind of middling scenario. And Wales, even though they put it up to England, look, I just don't think they're they're in a major transition um, at the moment with all the kind of the young players they have in England. I agree with Luke. I don't think we can take for granted that Ireland are going to rock up uh, Twickenham and win. Wins in Twickenham have been few and far between over the years. OK, on paper, there is a distinct, you would say, difference between the two teams but you still got to go there and and win and by the time Ireland get there England could be three from three as well albeit maybe not playing as good rugby so I wouldn't underestimate the scale of that challenge either Will but I think internally we heard a lot about it last year how Ireland weren't shying away from the fact that they wanted to win the Grand Slam and I think having had a taste for it most of the squad were there last season they want more of it more of the same again Scotland on the last day Paddy's weekend in Dublin it shaped up uh, really, really nicely. But 
overall, yeah, it's been a bit disappointing. Whatever the opposite to Super Saturday was what we saw at the weekend. It was just so flat and I couldn't wait. To, I'd kind of cleared the decks um, to make sure I was on the couch for the day and just wasn't really great, was it? I know that you had the controversy at the end of the Scotland-France game, but just the style of rugby, I think, that we're seeing as well. And OK, Ireland scored some nice tries at the weekend against Italy, but probably wasn't the contest we were hoping for, well, certainly from a neutral's point of view. Yeah, like I agree with a lot of what you said there. I actually, I would be surprised if England won another game in the Six Nations. I think they'd lose their, their last three. I think they've been dire. Like they're away to Scotland, then home to Ireland, then away to France. I don't see them winning any of those. But just to go to Ireland for a second, you know, how do you analyse the Italy game? You know, I suppose, you know, Keane mentioned you know, my confidence levels and like I'm judging this team by really high standards. Like, so I look at 36 no win and I know your prediction before the game was, what was it, like 60? 60 or 70. <laughs> it would have been more. No, 60. But yeah. they, they had enough ball in that game. Like Italy didn't get close to scoring a try. They had one shot at goal and didn't have anything in terms of ascendancy or, or key moments. Ireland bossed the ball. So I kind of look at that performance and I think six tries, three misconversions, left a lot of points out there. Like, that's who I'm looking at. I'm not looking at it thinking, oh, you know, a great win or a great performance. It was great moments. Some players played really well. It was obviously an easy, comprehensive, dominant win. Box tick. But in terms of what I'm judging this team on at this stage, I'm judging them as, like, we would have judged the All Blacks, you know, under Steve Hansen and Graham Henry. That's the standards they should be aspiring to and how I'm looking at it. So what did you kind of see from them in that regard? Sorry, yeah, no, uh, that's the end of the question, was it? Sorry, yeah. Um, I... I completely agree. I judge them by the same standard too, Will. I, I think the team deserves that. Um, they've earned that right, I think, to have the expectation. Um, they don't shy away from it from what I can see. Um, look, I, I think they... I actually don't think I would have been that far off if they had kept that... that I, th- I thought there was a... That is kind of the margin of difference between these two teams, I do think. Yeah. Uh, and I think they fell a little bit short on the attack side of things. Um yeah, a little bit sloppy. You know, Italy can do that to you. I thought at the kind of point where they were breaking Italy, they did make a lot of changes. Uh, no, not all of them were bad. I mean, Gibson Park coming on does make it, you know, he is de- there's definitely a difference there. Uh, Keenan obviously getting injured is a bit of a worry. Uh, he makes a massive difference. But I thought the two, the, like, I didn't, I thought the two props weren't great when they came on, actually. And, and that's, um, there's still a big gap there between uh, Porter, Furlong, Bielham, I think, and, and the rest of the chasing pack there. Uh, I thought Kelleher was excellent when he came on. That one-two punch is still a real strong point for the team but that was a bit of a mixed impact I thought versus the week before where I thought the bench were outstanding against um, against France so um, yeah it is difficult when you come on on mass at that period and as I said I thought they had just kind of broken the Italians um, and they were about to kind of put a lot of points on them I, I would say something I have noticed a little bit about Leinster and the reason I say it is that there was two Leinster players did it out on the weekend. I think sometimes they're going for that try a little bit too early, a little bit of white line fever Gibson at times. Park at the end. Gibson Park, yeah. uh, Henshaw's was a little bit more controversial, I think, but I could see why he went for that. But at the same time, one more phase, they definitely score as well. Gibson Park, one more phase, I think they definitely score there as well. And Leinster have had a, quite a few of them. You think of the Leicester match, you know, there yeah, wasn't a problem Norris, for them in the yeah, end. Yeah, there was. A, so I, I, that was one thing that I kind of wonder, will Andy Farrell say to the guys, right, let, let's have a think here. We're, I want you to be going for those tries, but too often, um, you know, because Leinster do make up the majority of this team, I think it's fair to say, and too often they've kind of been held up and it is a, it is a bit of a punch in the gut when you get held up and you're getting a drop kick back to Happening kind of... Against France as well under Fleer in the first half it, when the game was still in the balance. Yeah, so I just wonder is should should the, should they be kind of having a look at that and say, do you know what, are we leaving a few too many points out there when we're, when we're in really, really good positions? Um, goes without saying when you're getting held up over the line. Um, but should we be waiting? Should we be thinking, mm, I'm on the edge here, let's retain it one more time. 
I just feel I I have so much confidence in Ireland's whoever, whichever fifteen take the pitch for Ireland for the most part. I just think there's loads of really, really good players. I think they really are good at finding space. They're good at beating men. They have strong runners. They have fast runners. They have elusive runners. They've kind of they're the full package, and they have great passes of the ball. Some good kickers too for crossfield kicks. I feel like they'll break teams down, and I just wonder sometimes are they going for it a little bit too early? That, that was one observation I had, Will. Um, and I think I know it sounded crazy that, I, that the sixty point difference in my in my little thing. It's always hard to bloody predict those things, but. Um, I do think if they had kind of kept their core on for another 10 or 15, I think they might have put up a score like that. And if they weren't as wasteful, I think uh, the really pleasing aspect of the weekend was that the line-out still held up. I thought it was very strong. But also the defence, to nil them. I don't think you can underestimate that. I think that's really important. Just on the white line fever element of it, really didn't like Dan Sheehan trying to like go oh, over the cap. Like if he crazy, was, like <laughs> did we not learn our lesson from the All Blacks and Jordy Barrett? Like just because it's a back, it doesn't mean you're. No, a hooker's not automatically going to run over me. Obviously, did on that occasion, but uh, no, I, I think that's a, a good point because as you said, I've noticed it. We've all noticed it a few times. We'll enter the season. Can you were writing about the Irish defence? Luke touched on it there. Not only to keep a team to nil for the first time in this tournament since the eighty late eighties against England, but. I don't. Italy didn't even get a sniff. Like they didn't even have a chance. They had one kick goal, as I mentioned, and then after that, it was just I, they barely got into the twenty-two. It was just a complete suffocation. You know, Joe McCarthy was hounding Garbisi, but across the board, it was a really kind of impressive defensive showing. What kind of stood out to you from that element? Well, I think coming into the Six Nations, one of the questions I suppose around the defense was how would the would the Leinster players adapt? Because obviously they're trying to get their heads around Shaq Neenarber's new system, which is probably still a little bit slightly different to Ireland in terms of how aggressive it is and how high you're getting your wingers. But there are similarities as well. I'm thinking of James Lowe shot up um, in the second half and made a really good uh, and important interception. So I think that's been hugely encouraging because I was wondering, was it Neen Arbor used the phrase that the players would have to rewire their brains, you know? So that's how different um, that he saw it. So I think it's been really encouraging that the defence has been so good. And look, to be fair, Simon Easterby has been doing an excellent job with the defence over the last few years. You've got a head coach who was one of the best uh, defence coaches in in the world rugby before he took over. So I think at the heart of everything that Ireland have done, it's been a really solid defence. And I don't think Andy Farrell is ever going away, going to go away from that, even though the attack is probably the thing that's gotten most of the headlines because that's, I suppose, the sexier aspect of the game. But um to keep Italy nil like is is really impressive. Like they scored three tries, they outscored England previous week. Scored three tries in Rome. They only conceded two tries to France um, in Marseille the previous week. But you look back to the previous uh, couple of Six Nations, their defense has been very very good. And I know it's a bit of a cliche, but defense wins champion cha- championships, and it is true. I mean, if Ireland keep up this kind of record for the remainder of the tournament, then absolutely they're going to win a Grand Slam. You mentioned Joe McCarthy there with. Um, I think it was really interesting to see how much he was the one who was being asked to set the tone in defence. Normally, that's your 13. Gary Ringrose does it quite a bit. Henshaw, I thought, did it um, a lot in Marseille, did it a lot for Leinster and Welford Road a few weeks ago. But it was blatantly obvious that um, McCarthy was the one doing it. And poor Paolo Garbisi. I mean, every time he caught the ball and looked up, he had a 120 kg lock uh, steaming at him. So I thought it was another really good game, I have to say, from Joe McCarthy. I think in at the Stad Velodrome, we saw more of his 
powerful ball carrying, but this was a bit of a, a grittier side of his game and it's it's no harm to be able to see him doing doing both. But um yeah, like they were dominant at the breakdown. Will Luke has already touched on the set piece, uh their kicking game. I mean, James Lowe's left boot. I don't know if he's been like if he's actually drastically improved or or what, but I mean it is insane. I mean, like when you're in the stadium, you get a proper appreciation for it. But I really like the the in-play stats that come up on the TV now where you can see how far he's kicking the ball and stuff like that. It's remarkable to see um, what a weapon to have and Ireland are using it brilliantly. Um, what else? The, yeah, the line speed. Of, what other points that I touch on? The fact that they were doubling up in, in their tackles, like a real hallmark, I think, of Leinster over the last few years. There was one incident in the second half where Craig Casey and Jack Conan absolutely smashed Capuat. So Casey goes low. Conan comes in and targets the ball and stops him getting the the offload. Look, there'll be tougher tasks will will lie ahead in terms of, you know, different attacks that you're going to face. Italy, as I said, didn't pose much of a challenge in that regard. But I think Luke is dead right to touch on how good um, Ireland's defence has been because if they are going to win the Six Nations I think or, or the Grand Slam, I think that's what's going to do it for them. John McCarthy has very quickly made it kind of John McCarthy plus one in the second row. Like he seems to be nailed on already. Just two very strong performances to start this campaign. Oh, no, I, no sorry. I <laughs> know he, he's been really good. I actually thought he was, um, he kind of had more moments this time than I think the French game where I thought he was just brilliant throughout. I thought his body's, I thought his body height wasn't as good against, um, against Italy at Rooks. I didn't think he was as effective in that area. Obviously, we saw the highlights where he was getting after the 10, if, uh, you know, you know, quite a bit and putting in some really big hits. But yeah, look, he, he is outstanding. I mean, I still think it's probably, in Farrell's mind, it's Ty Byrne plus one if I'm being completely honest. Um, He's just been outstanding, I think, and he's so effective. Uh, Was so good against the French, I thought. Um, McCarthy, brilliant, still young. Um, Gives them maybe something that they've been lacking a little bit. Um, So he looks like a cert as well. Bit mad because I would have had James Ryan, like my first, nearly my first name in the team sheet. Um, I just think so highly of him, but he looks to me like he's number three now, you know, which is um, saying a lot, I think, um, about the quality and how good those other two are playing. So we'll see how that all pans out over time, over the competition. Um, McCarthy certainly has been brilliant. I think he's a breath of fresh air. He, You can see the enthusiasm. You can see the impact he does make when when, his, when he's got his foot, feet right, when he's not kind of overextending himself and when he's really applying that, you know, good technique to all that power that he has that we really need. So, uh, yeah, he's a great player, Will. I'm delighted. I can't wait to see how far he goes. Yeah, hopefully, you know, come Twickenham himself and Atoje, like, that'd be, that'd be a good battle. Like, you know, I know, to be fair, Atoje's not as good as he once was, but there was a time where he, he really did it. Kind of like similar enough in some respects. Yeah. Like just destructive, you know, yeah. and annoying to play against. Spoilers, I would imagine. Like, yeah, yeah. The power as well, yeah. Mm. Keen, one player that we're going to talk to you about, Jack Crowley. I, I feel like Matt Williams made, like, one comment and now it's become, like, this, oh, that, this You stuff. can't say anything about Crowley. The Munster lads Poor, are, like, well, Matt, Williams. Matt Williams in particular. No one can get, like, you know, the world of rugby. <laughs> be talking like Matt Williams like <laughs> I got so many texts I was like but oh you know this is about credit but credit it's like I'm pretty sure this is all based on like one Matt Williams comment that's like God but anyway <laughs> you know Keen what 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 have you made? What did you make of his performance? Like for me, the, like obviously the kicking was a disappointment. You missed three out of six conversions. That's not a good day. But like 
I think in general play, he was very exciting. Some of the touches were lovely, in particular in that first half. I thought he ran the back line really well. I thought he played better than he did. Okay, the standard obviously was drastically worse, but I thought he managed the game better than he did against France. Hmm. Outside of the kicking issue off the deck, I thought he played really well. So I don't not that there is a clamor for him to be ousted after two matches, but uh, I, I just I have actually been really impressed with them. I think the good people of Munster were maybe uh, disappointed that the Virgin panel was all Leinster heads, really, and they didn't have someone speaking up for them. That's all I can I can assume. But yeah, there seemed to be a bit of a narrative developing off the back. That I didn't see the full coverage, I have to say. I only saw the clip doing the rounds on social media. Well, and sorry, it's just to cut across for one second. I didn't see any of the coverage, so that's why I was completely perplexed about the narrative even emerging. I was like, I haven't even heard anyone say this. And then apparently it was Matt Williams. Sorry, just to... But but I I see it in like it's never a good place to judge. But I see it in my mentions on Twitter. Um, people being unconvinced by by Jack Crowley and and things like that. But like I could couldn't agree more with you, Will. Um, I think as starts to his look, I know his Ireland career had already started before this Six Nations. But this is kind of the you know life after Johnny Sexton and two games into the Six Six Nations. I don't think it could have went much better. Okay, he could have nailed his kicks at the weekend, but um, I made this point in the podcast with Rod and Sinead earlier in the week. I think the biggest compliment you can give Jack Crowley is no one is really talking about Johnny Sexton yet over the first two weeks. Like that is serious, serious going. Um, two very different challenges. Um, I thought how he his composure that he showed in Marseille in what was a really hostile atmosphere, how he bounced back from the couple of errors, didn't let him phase him at all, was really exceptional. Whereas the game against Italy at the weekend was obviously very different. He had plenty of front football to play off. And what I liked about it was, you touched on it there already, Will, is the fact that he had the confidence to, to bring his own flair to it. He understands the importance of slotting into the system, but some of his passing was just a joy to watch. I mean, that no-look pass that he threw for Hugo Keenan in the build-up to Dan Sheehan's try just speaks to a guy who's full of confidence. He's able to reload over the far side, throw a beautiful offload to Robbie Henshaw. So he's adding these little bits on top of the, the basics, I suppose, that he's doing. Look, I think he will be really frustrated with the the shots at goal that he missed, particularly having kicked so well in Marseille, albeit he did miss one there that he probably should have got as well. And there has been a couple of issues in Munster games over the season. I think back of back to the game in Exeter that I was at, he missed a few there. But I think he showed at the Velodrome that he is a good kicker under pressure. So I don't have too many concerns, I have to say, Will. There will come a time, maybe it won't be, it could be in Twickenham, it could be in the summer tour where it is going to come down to a one-score game and those penalties are going to be absolutely crucial, our conversions, whatever it is. But, I mean, I'm no expert at all on place kicking technique, but to me, he's a beautiful kicker of the ball, really nice strike. So um, I wouldn't be overly concerned. I think that will come. And like I said, as starts to the Six Nations go, it couldn't be much better for Ireland, 10 points from 10 and betting in a new 10, who I think is is fizzing with confidence. And you can see it in the rest of the players as well are playing off that. Yeah, it's a good point about like how little Johnny Sexton has been mentioned considering a generational player stepped away and just because of the nature of the start and he's played well that it hasn't been a talking point. And I'd much rather that Crowley was playing well, <clears throat> excuse me, and, you know, off the deck was a little iffy than him kicking, you know, 10 out of 10 and struggling to get the back line moving or struggling with his own general play. I think his general play has been really good. Like, what, what did you make of, I suppose we discussed him last week, but even, you know, the continuation on, on Sunday? 
Oh yeah, I'm really impressed with him. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a he looks like he's going to be a cracker of a player to me. I think we've kind of seen saying that for a while about him. I think um, one 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 thing I would say is that you know the kicking off the off the deck needs to be world class. You know, um, it will be a, it'll be a point of focus for him now. I think he looks like to. Uh, touch on Keane's point. I think he looks like he, he gets the big he gets the big ones. So like you know, and he looks like a pressure kicker to me. So I don't think I don't see it being a problem. I think he gets it sorted out. Uh, what I would say as well to people who haven't played international rugby as well, it's it, the extra bit of running in the legs and the energy that it takes out of you. Um, that that takes a while, I think, for for guys like trying to perform a technique, like say a, you know throwing into the into a line out, like a, you know something quite quite technical, kicking off the ground, um, kind of these pressure kind of moments, um, even kicking to touch, all these kind of things that that are really skillful and hard to execute under pressure. You're a bit more tired doing them in international rugby as well, so it'll take him time to get used to that element too. So I, that's something that I haven't heard anyone talk about. But if you've played international rugby you'll know and that that is a thing so um, uh, he's dealing with lots of stuff at the moment I'm not surprised that some part of it like I, I feel like week to week there's going to be something that's going to fall out of his game that's not going to be as good um, that's just part and parcel of learning how to play week in week out as an international rugby player it takes it takes a long time to to get really good at that but uh, what I really like is that he looks like he's the, the one thing you, you don't want to see is that the kind of mentality and the head and the confidence go that doesn't look yeah. like it's going anywhere and that's really really important because that feeds through the team um, and I think as well I will go back to the point I made before the France game he's playing in a great team they're playing well he doesn't need to play great to actually really fit into this and that's probably more important is that he fits into the team rather than yeah. really showcasing some fantastic skills which he does have and what I thought on the weekend is that he looked to me I know that it was easier opposition as was mentioned but um, the magic moments were there but he didn't go searching for them, Will. Yeah, that I was agree. really what I liked about yeah. it. Do you know what I mean? I thought uh, for the for the Nash try particularly, that was a beautiful bit of play, the little loop around and the little pop. That was almost kind of no look. I think it might have been too... I don't know who gives the last pass to, to, to Nash there, but um, that was a beautiful bit of play as well. So like he had all these moments through the game, but he didn't look to me like he was lo like looking hard for it. Obviously, the little one underneath to McCluskey, I think it was, um, uh, was, was a bit of magic in the first half as well. So like he's got all those bits to his game. I, I think he looks like he's settling in really well and I'm really pleased with how he started. I think I'd love to see him. He, he does need to get more of the kicks, but I feel like he'll get that sorted out. Yeah, maybe get a get a Dave Aldridge number and send him a text maybe for it. I would assume he's probably got access. He's, he's crazy not to get access to him. Literally every single person who's worked with that guy, uh, even Luke Donald, was number one in the world in golf, I think at one point, wasn't he? So um, yeah, he needs to get onto him if he hasn't already because everyone he's worked with seems to have gone on to another level. And, and Sexton always said that wasn't always just technique stuff. He had brilliant drills. I remember Raj going through some of the drills even with me um, at the end of training a couple of times. Like really, really good stuff. But he was great at the mental aspect Aspect, which is kind of the key thing I think for kickers at this level everyone can kick the ball most people are good strikers of it have a decent technique maybe some tweaks here and there but it's the mental aspect that's, that gets you into the Dan Carters the Johnny Sexton's the Lee Halfpennies that, yeah. that's, that's the difference with but, but even on Johnny Sexton like when he started his Ireland career his kicking off the deck w w was spotty I remember the World Cup of 2011 he lost his place to even Raj even Raj yeah, as well yeah. started his career yeah. I remember there was a game in Twickenham when Johnny Sexton first started his Ireland career and Ireland won and played really well and he he was he had a lovely grubber kick through for Tommy Bow, but I think he missed like two out of the three conversions. So yeah. even though he was playing great rugby for Leinster and playing great rugby for Ireland, his kicking took a, a little while. So maybe yeah. to your point about the fatigue that builds up in international rugby, 
So I, I think when you take all those things in, it's been a very positive start. Brilliant. I all think, tens, yeah. all tens miss kicks. That's the reality. Think of Johnny Sexton in the World Cup quarterfinal. But you mentioned Dave Aldred there, Will, who's obviously the, the kicking guru. Maybe it's, this is Johnny Sexton's way into coaching. He could do a bit of kicking coaching genuinely with someone like Crowdy. Crowdy keeps saying how, you know, he's at always at the end of the phone if he has any advice or anything. So could be something we're thinking about going forward. I don't think he, he's, I think he's doing great work already. <laughs> so I'd say he's, yeah, no, I think he's doing, he's got a oh, heavy back coaching <laughs> in, the, in a year's time. Do you think? I, do. I don't know. You know, he's doing really well at work. Seriously. I'm sure. Yeah, he's I mean, made a good transition. Him. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a bigger job. Like, he's got a big job. Like, seriously. Yeah. He's got a really good job. Yeah. yeah that's, and he's like, I don't know. Yeah, it'd be hard to go back. Like you know, I think that's uh, to me that sounds like it reminds me of when Joe Schmidt left Ireland and he said he was retiring from coaching. <laughs> like, mm, sure. No, I think he's doing really well. So yeah, yeah, sure. I suppose because like you know, you know, even coaching, you're still like away from your family loads. It's a lot mm. of work, a lot of brain power. You know, you're not playing. You're physical, physically, but in terms of. It's still a very busy lifestyle. Like, you know, you still have to be on top of everything. Like, so. And they get the worst of it too, because yeah. they're going to have to work weekends as well. Do you know that? Kind of yeah. So it's like, it actually is. Yeah, like a down day for a player. The coaches are still working away. Coaches are working away. They're kind of chopping up training, getting stuff ready for, for the next day. Like, it's uh, it's a full on, that like the hours you put in on the screen. And, they, and it does matter. More work for less pay than when you were playing. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. so for most not, of the guys, it is. Appetizing, Still pretty good pay. Especially well, if you're just a kicking coach, I don't know what your salary is, but I, I could suck. No, Allred, oh, he was massive. Well, Allred, yeah. Like, he's he's massive. Like, he was actually flying him around. That he that's did. right. Yeah. That's right. Adidas do fly him around. But I, I, like, it's something like mental for a session. Like you're talking, yeah. I'm not going to say 10 or 12, but I remember it's like 20 or something, something crazy for like one session. Yeah. Well, so, I went to um, years ago as part of when we used to actually get nice PR things um, I was at a thing with Dave Aldred. I think he was doing it with probably Johnny at the time and a few media were invited along and we got to kind of watch a little bit of their session. I actually got a pair of Predators out of it as well. So they were <laughs> oh, the, those are the days. days. They were the days. Did you log that as a gift? <laughs> <laughs> um, another talking point I want to get to is uh, fullback. You know, Hugo Keenan picked up a knock at the moment. We don't know whether it'd be fit for the Wales game, but whether he is or he isn't, I think it's an interesting conversation about who would play that game if he is ruled out. There's a few different options. You know, obviously with Jimmy O'Brien injured and Matt Hansen, they're out of commission. Jacob Stockdale, Jordan Lammer have both been kind of t- talked about. You know, Calvin Nash potentially an option. Kieran Frawley has played there for Leinster, albeit he's been uh, let go to play this weekend for Leinster, so he's probably not in the reckoning. Like, what way do you think Ireland should go if Keenan is ruled out? Well, I would have thought Zebo was the obvious one. Um, I think he's injured though, isn't yeah. he? Um, but uh, Zebo would have been the obvious choice. Playing great, um, but he wasn't in the squad. So he no, 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 no. Yeah, so, but he—that's he, yeah. if you're asking me who my yeah, choice yeah, yeah, would be, yeah. that'd be it. Uh, if you're asking me who I think Andy Farrow will pick, um, I'd say he might go with Stockdale on the wing, but actually maybe low back there. I, I, I would think Lowe might be a good addition there. I think he still has the freedom there. I think he's pretty good under the high ball now. Uh, and he's got the cannon of a boot. You know what I mean? That's always handy back at full back. And it doesn't mean, like, that would actually be an easier position for him to get into, particularly off those um, uh, off those kind of clearances from uh, restarts. Do you know what I mean? He has to sit back as the left winger in behind the rook, which means he can't actually chase. Um, so you could leave your left winger up and keep low at full back. Like, that's not a hard move for, for him. So um, I think he would be the one that fits in most easily. Um, I do think he's kind of more a power player versus full back. You probably have a little bit more running than you do on the wing. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure he's as suited to, but like, I mean, look, he's a serious athlete. So I, I, I'd like to have low there. I love his passing game too. So yeah, low for me and Stockdale to the wing. Keen, what's your perspective on it? 
Um, well, we're going to have a piece about this um, up online and in the Irish Independent. My understanding is that Hugo Keenan is going to be ruled out of at least that um, that Wales game. Thankfully, it doesn't seem to be the injury as serious as maybe they first feared from initial scans. But uh, yeah, it sounds like he's going to miss the Wales game. So this is a live conversation. Um, the reliance on him, just before I get into the options, is like absolutely incredible. I've been doing a big piece around this. Um, Andy Farrell has been in charge of 45 Ireland games. Hugo Keenan has started 38 of them, 34 at fullback. So I think Andy Farrell has done a brilliant job of developing the depth chart across the board, but fullback, I think, is the outlier. Um, that's down to Hugo Keenan's remarkable levels of consistency, I'd say, but also his durability because levels. we've never... Sorry, yeah, Keenan. Yeah. No, in, in, absolutely incredible. Like, And he's been arguably Ireland's best player over the first two weeks as well, certainly one of them. So it's an unusual scenario that Farrell finds himself in because he's had ample opportunity over the years. I think Jimmy O'Brien probably would have been the guy to play there. Even Mac Hansen, like you said, would have been in the mix. But yeah, I I, I can see the logic to moving to move in James Lowe there. I did look at it. He has since moving to Leinster in 2017, he hasn't started a single game at fullback for Leinster or Ireland. So that would make me that would make me wonder. Calvin Nash played there ha- once this season. For definitely Munster. hasn't played one for Leinster. Not, I don't think he started unless oh, maybe okay, maybe he didn't start. Okay, sorry. Um Calvin Nash started there uh, against Bayon for Munster. But to me, I think Kieran Frawley, despite the fact that he's been released to Leinster, I think he's been been released to Leinster to start at fullback this weekend um, against Bennett. And the talk is that Ross Byrne could be back and maybe he'll start 10. And I'd be surprised if you don't see Frawley at 15. Look, he came on there, albeit only for a minute, um, in Marseille when Calvin Nash picked up that late injury. They actually shifted Hugo Keenan across to the right wing, which you don't you don't often see ha- happen as in Keenan moving out of fullback. So, um I I think they could start him there. He's Brawley has started nine Leinster games this season. Sorry for throwing so many numbers at you lads. I've just been looking <laughs> at okay. it all day. They're not big numbers. We're okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well. But of Frawley's nine starts this season, six of them have been at fullback for Leinster, including the first four games of the season. So I know he doesn't have the experience at test level, but in terms of club level recently, he's the most experienced player in the squad. I have to say I'd be unconvinced by putting... Jacob Stockdale back there. I'd be unconvinced by putting Jordan Armour back there. I think they both have defensive issues, and I'm not sure Farrell would would trust either of them. If I'm being honest, um, Farrell could have put Jordan Armour there at the weekend. He was on the bench, but obviously he opted to move Jack Crowley back to 15 and get Harry Byrne 25 minutes to 10. I can't see him playing Crowley, who has who has experience at 15. I can't see him starting Crowley uh, at fullback. I think it's really important that he gets as many minutes and starts as possible at 10 throughout this Six Nations. So there are options there. I don't think there's an obvious one. But for me, I think if Kieran Frawley plays this weekend, which I expect he will, I think he could be a good option for that Wales game. I thought Kieran Frawley was completely shafted getting dropped to the squad after the French game. Like, you know, he got a minute off the bench and then Harry Byrne comes in and gets 25 minutes against Italy. A nice showcase, which I didn't actually think Harry Byrne took, by the way, but... It's a nice showcase that probably was kind of denied. I don't know why. I, 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 I presume it was kind of more bench split, no? It, it was. Is, yeah, I actually, I asked Andy Farrell at the press conference about this last week. I mean, pretty harsh in a guy who was deemed good enough to go to France and then would have been eyeing last week as a chance to get game time, preferably at 10, um, and then bombed out at a 23. I thought it was pretty harsh as well. What did he say? 
he basically we have said it, he pointed to the, the bench split and also the fact that he did want Harry Byrne to get game time. Seemingly, Harry Byrne has been training the house down. And look, I think the one thing you'd have to say about Harry Byrne is I didn't think he played too badly. I have to say when he came I on, he was okay as well. Yeah. The, the, the one thing you'd have to say is Leinster and Le, sorry, Leo Cullen and Andy Farrell consistently see something in Harry Byrne and. They're certainly far better better judges than I am. So that played into it as well. But I still think Frawley was pretty hard done by, I have to say. Yeah, it's. I'm kind of finding it hard to be too sorry for him because I think he's made a big mistake with staying at Leinster. I think it's been a big problem for him, you know. I think you have to specialise. I've been saying this for years. You've got to specialise to play um, international rugby. Everyone is too good. Everyone is perfectly built for their position. Like the only people who get away with it are kind of the freak shows like Jason Robinson, Shane Williams. These guys are kind of tiny or kind of huge men. Like, um, you know, there's too many to, to go back on. Not really relevant. But my point is you've got to specialize. So you've got to be playing 10 every week. Harry Byrne is a 10. He's always said he's a 10. He's never really shifted around. And by virtue of that, you know, he gets, you know, he, he's viewed as uh, being more effective there. He'll get more reps in training. you get all those kind of things that you need to catch a coach's eye. Um, and, and I think it's been a big mistake. So I think for all his international career, as I said, was, was always going to suffer because he didn't move. Um, and there's plenty of places where he would make a serious difference um, because I think he's a really, really top rugby player. Well, you, I've, I've kept here that probably a bit late now, but I do think that like Ulster, uh, he is he looks to me like he'd be perfect for up there. Like he's got a cannon of a boot, uh, be able to take pressure off the pack, pressure off the nines who have massive kicking burden pressure up there. I think he'd be strong for them defensively. He's a great defensive player too, I think for a 10 particularly. Um, yeah, so look, moving around has not been good for his career. Uh, I know, like, you know, people... I ended up on the wing because it was the one place I knew. I did make a decision at a point going, okay, well, I've got to play somewhere. I've got to play somewhere regularly week in, week out. Where can I play? So that's that was why I like I, I kind of know myself because I've been in the situation. So I could see it happening to him. I'm not surprised. Um, and he's going to suffer. Yeah, mm. he will. He'll continue to suffer but just by virtue of being adaptable. Well, it'd be interesting to see if he does get the nod. Keen, just on Jacob Stockdale, like, I agree with your kind of misgivings about him in terms of, you know, a few errors against Harlequins recently kind of magnified that part of his game that has reared his head when he's been in Ireland duty as well. But I do feel like, you know, Andy Farrell has, has kind of always had him in his squads when he's been fit. And if Andy Farrell still thinks he can get back to the heights of 2018 when he was Six Nations Player of the Year, I think this is a good opportunity to actually give him a shot. Like, you're playing a weak Welsh team at home. As Luke said earlier when, about Jack Crowley, like, he's surrounded by world-class players in form. Like, this could be a great opportunity to give him this chance in a team playing well, and he could go out and rediscover some of that spark. Like, I don't really think he, his form maybe warrants it necessarily, but Andy Farrell clearly likes him a fair bit with the way he selects his squads. I actually think it might be a good day to give him this chance. It could be a great opportunity for him. What do you mean at fullback on the yeah, wing? Yeah, fullback, fullback. Oh sorry. no, fullback's too big. Oh. Yeah, no, will. No, <laughs> you're I thought, away. I thought, I thought in the wing. Yeah. Sorry, I thought you meant the wing. Well, he's played a fullback before now, not with not to great renown, unfortunately. No, well, uh, it, it, that's the that's the point, will. This has been tried, particularly in the early days. Yeah, again. that's what I'm thinking. In the Stade de France in 2020, yeah, like, he had a he had a bad blunder. Again, I went down the rabbit hole of looking at this earlier. Um, he, yeah, they tried to play him at fullback and. Ulster tried it a bit, but his last start for Ulster came in May 2021 off the top of my head. I think that kind of tells you everything you need to know about what the coaches think about his fullback prospects now. Not obviously on the wing. 
if he was going to play, I think you'd have to do what Luke suggested. I think you'd have to move low to full back and have Stockdale on the wing. But um, it goes back to, it's a fair point that you make, uh, Will. It goes back to the the point that I made about Harry Byrne and look, Andy Farrell clearly sees something in him. We're not seeing training and all that. And Andy Farrell has proven time and time again how much of an excellent selector he is. So I don't, don't think many people can quibble with the decisions that he makes. But it's hard to, you know, you're watching that Harlequins game that you touched on and you look at that lapse in concentration is probably the best way of describing it for Jacob Stockton. You're just wondering, how could you put a guy like that into a Six Nations setup? Um, I'd be I'd be concerned, I have to say. I think he's such a he's such a talented athlete, but you you feel like he could be probably getting more out of himself. Um so yeah, I'm not sure, Will, to be honest. Um Look, they could easily put him there. But like I said, Lowe doesn't have much experience at playing at 15. And I think when it comes down to it, is Farrell going to be willing to change the whole makeup of his back three? Or is he just going to look to change at full back? Because I think Calvin Nash and James Lowe have both been excellent. We haven't really touched on Calvin Nash, but he's had a brilliant start to his Ireland career as well. I think he's been very good over the first uh, first two games. So... I think that will factor into Farrell's thinking rather than making two changes, make just one in the back three. So, um, look, it, it could happen, but I still think a guy like Frawley would probably be my preferred option at fullback rather than Jacob Stockdale, who has had defensive issues. Yeah, I get, get where Keane's going with it. The one thing, the, the reason I didn't go down that route is because I think probably just based on the importance of the position, I just think fullback's just a little bit more important to have the solidity there and someone who's kind of used to playing and playing well at international rugby. Um, but completely get Keane's point, actually, and I think he's making good ones there. Uh, hard to argue with that. Uh, my my belief on that is that I just think he likes Stockdale. He's big, he's quick. Um, he doesn't have to be... He doesn't have to be a leader in this Irish team. He just has to kind of go out and play his own game, catch high balls, which he's been pretty good at for, for the most part when he's not letting it's them bounce behind. Balls. It's, it's a bouncing ball's the issue. But, yeah. um, but actually his defence, I think, has improved a little bit too as well, I think, um, for the most part. And he was good the last time Andy Farrell saw him in an Irish jersey as well. So that might play a part too. You know, he was pretty decent in the warm-up games, I thought. Yeah. Um, so, look... Um, yeah, I just think he's been waiting to give him a chance. And I this, think so too. This, my sense of it is yeah, not too well. That's my sense. Yeah, of it. yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, and I think this is a good opportunity. Like, if, if you're getting Wales at a good time, you know, in a game where Ireland are going to be mega favourites, full house to Viva, strong team. You know, it'd be very interesting now, over the next couple of weeks, as Keane said, when we see the Leinster selection on uh, for the weekend, if Raleigh is playing full back, and then how that feeds into into next week, because it's not just you know the Wales game. That's kind of almost a tune-up potentially for Twickenham if mm. Keenan is still injured. So mm. it'll be a vital kind of game to get the confidence up for whoever does play fullback. Is Twickenham away? You know, going up against maybe Freddie Stewart in the air, yeah, who we good. saw at the weekend, yeah. like was, was you know very effective there. One of the few areas where England really did excel. So yeah, that, that's certainly one to watch over the next two weeks. Might discuss the Scotland France game now, Keen. Obviously, let's go straight to the TMO decision at the end. It was one of the jury questions as well. Uh, like it was such a dramatic moment it actually it made up for like the 25 minutes of like you know painful kicking in the second half well it depends half. which team you're supporting yeah well like as a neutral which I thought I was just watching it all unfold at the end it was just un- unbelievably dramatic there's um, no way by the way sorry to interrupt but there's no way you can claim to be a neutral watching the Scotland game they've just you couldn't after I, all of the abuse I wanted you them couldn't. to win no, I, I wanted them to win uh, I, I, I'm not anti-Scotland I just find it funny when they lose sometimes but I actually wanted them, I actually wanted them to win 
Like, is that, if they had won, it could it could have set up a potential. When you're explaining, you're losing. Yeah, Will. I'm yeah. doing a lot of explaining right now. Uh, so let's just move just go on. back to your question to Keen. Yeah, sorry, Keen. To yeah, sorry. Uh, you know, w- w- was that the right call for you? Because for for me, you know, we're not. It's not a. It's not a murder trial. Like we're not trying to send someone to death row. Like I, I feel like that was conclusive evidence of a, of a try being scored. Brian McNeese, the TMO, said himself that the ball had been grounded because there was an angle that did show that the ball was grounded. Like, you know, if I put my hand over the bottom of the microphone here and you can't see it's on the table, but it's on the table. That's what the ball looked like. You know, for all money, that's what the ball looked like on those clips. The ball was down. For me, that is conclusive. I did Google the dictionary definition of conclusive just to, just to see if there was... what well, Someone had a quiet weekend. If it was matching up. Well, like Keane, I cleared the decks so I could watch all this. But uh, Keane, what's your perspective on it? Yeah, I, I think the try should have been awarded. I think Scotland were very harshly done by, especially with the TMO himself saying that he saw the ball on the ground and then kind of at the last second getting a little gun-shy and kind of going back, obviously the question that was asked was was kind of dictating it a little bit, but I still think there was enough evidence there to give that try. What's your perspective on it? Yeah, I was just going to say that I think the question that was asked, because Nick Berry said that he didn't think that the ball was down, so therefore you need conclusive evidence to use your word, Will. Um, and to me, I couldn't see the ball on any of the replays on the line. Um, by all probability, I think the ball was on the line, but I couldn't see the ball on the line in any of the replays now like I watched it back a few times because initially I was wondering you know you often see referees like literally sticking their heads into you know the places where the sun don't shine like that and I was wondering if Nick Berry should have done that but to be fair he was in an excellent position and I'm not sure what went on in Brian McNeese's head to to kind of change his decision I think that's what's you know even angered the Scots even more interesting to read today um I saw Tom English from BBC Scotland was reporting that Scotland are seeking admission of officials' error from World Rugby. So um, the Scots aren't taking this uh, lying down, that's for sure. But um, I thought, yeah, Will, on all probability, it was a try. But I did have a degree of sympathy, not full sympathy, but a degree of sympathy for Brian McNeese in particular, because... If Nick Berry had said try yes or no, we might have been having a different conversation. But the fact that he ruled that it was no try on field, I think you have to see in the video the ball touching the line. And for me, I couldn't see it, even though it looked like the ball was down. Yeah, I agree with you to a degree. But, you know, as I said earlier, you know, no one's on trial for murder. But it's beyond a reasonable doubt. Isn't that what you have to do to convict someone of a crime? Like, for me, that the clip is beyond a reasonable doubt that that ball is on the line. I, I, I just think there's no doubt about that. And I take your point if the question was different. But if it was try yes or no, I don't really see, like, the clip is still the clip. He still couldn't maybe see the the 100% thing, but it's like, it's 99.99% that that's a try. But is it, sorry, okay, so, but is that conclusive or is that beyond a reasonable doubt? Like, are we, what, what For me, it's you? both. <laughs> <laughs> They're now the same, are they? Uh, I don't know, yeah, like, I, 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 I think... But did you think that was a try? No, sorry, do you think the try should have been given? Obviously, we all, I presume, um, think it was a try, but like... Uh, no, I don't think the try should have been given. I think they made the right decision. Um, based on the on on the wording um, and what they're supposed to have given the decision on the criteria, um, but we all know that was a try. <laughs> so that's that really um, it's really disappointing that that's yeah. that we're kind of put in that position, you know. But look, at some point we have to accept that, like we can't make it like we. Decisions are never going to be 100 right all the way through the, or through our game, and we are analysing these things to death. Now this is obviously a really 
this is an obvious one to be talking about because it's 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 obviously the last play of the game. It's huge. It's, for it's a huge. It's like, a huge. Sorry, two from two with England next at home. Like this is. A, it's a, really really unfortunate for them that it wasn't a conclusive try. Um, sadly, you know, but um, and it's awful that it's kind of come down to that. But look. You're, you're going to have a few of these decisions and we're going to have to live with it and Scotland will have to live with it. I don't really see what the value is in trying to get some kind of admission of guilt. Like, I mean, they were doing the best they could. They were the home team. So, like, it would have been the easy, easiest decision for them to get out of Dodge and give it to the home team. There was no no malice. There was nothing like that. Or, or like, I, I don't think anyone got... I don't think any of those, of those referees uh, who are kind of, like, making that decision... I don't think they got flustered by it. I just think they couldn't. They, 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 it would have been easier for them if this try had been given, I think. Um, but they didn't. They, I think they made the tough decision. I think they stuck to the rules that they're kind of operating under. Um, and they're going to deal with a bit of flack for it. But they've got to be tough on this one now as well. Like, but if the TMO said the ball was grounded and then he went back. You just can't see it. He said it. No, he said the ball was grounded. He said we have footage of the ball being grounded. And then he kind of like seemed to waver and then kind of change his mind. Because... He's allowed to do that in there until he's made the call. No? He, I don't know. He said it was grounded and it was grounded. But like we're not looking at a... Looking at the transcript isn't really... Like he's obviously seen... You know, he's obviously seen something that's changed his mind. Like he's allowed to do that in there before he makes the call. It seems like he, it was kind of a, a push-pull between him knowing it was a try and then thinking, yeah, oh, yeah, the protocol, I, oh, should I... Oh, yeah, but it? like he's not... A, he isn't... So looking at the transcript is not really that helpful. Well, listening think. to it, I wasn't just looking at the transcript. No, no, but sorry, yeah. no, but you know, my, my point is that, sorry, we're obviously going through what he's saying all the way through this kind of process. Yeah. But like, that's him kind of thinking out loud. Um, you know, maybe that's something he probably... He might learn the next time. <laughs> it's probably but, but not he that was helpful. right. Like, his, 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 good, his judgment was right. But why did he change his mind then if he was right? Because I think... The, ultimately, I think he thought maybe the protocol trumped what his eyes were telling him, potentially. I don't know. Like, I, I, but I, we all watched it and thought it was a try. Yeah. yeah, Exactly. But... And that, like, I think that's the point. I mean, he is human at the end of the day. And I think we, not we on this podcast, but in general need to be careful because I think the fact that we're able to hear the TMO's conversation is brilliant for the game because I look at what happens in VAR and football and the fact that you don't have a clue what's going on in terms of what are they thinking, what are they doing, and I think that that's a, a strength of rugby. I know a lot of people might prefer if the, you know, the TMO was anonymous or whatever like that. But I think it's really encouraging that we can hear those conversations. And I think probably need to allow him a bit of leeway in terms of being able to think his way through it. Because I think you're right, Will. I think he was probably like us on, on all probability that ball is down. And then he was like, oh, hang but on. I, but I can't see it conclusively. Exactly, yeah. 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 So exactly. like, he, and he's got to think about like the repercussions for him. If he can't, like, so he's got to watch that back with whoever's looking at his performance and say, well, like, yeah, we think it's a try, but can you see it? And mm. if he's looking at all those clips and saying he can't, which is obviously what that's. But well, where that's, is the ball? The ball's but hardly levitating. No, but, but, like, but but the ball is on the line. He has to be able to see it. He has to be able to see the ball being touched down. That's it. Well, like he, you know, as much as we can kind of analyze this to death, he has made the other decision for obvious reasons. He obviously can't. He can't one hundred percent say he sees the ball going down. That's what that that's clearly what ha what's after happening. You know what I mean? Like he, like regardless of what he said and his and his thinking before why he's making this decision. He has obviously said, I haven't got a camera angle where I can see this and I've got to be able to justify that to all to everyone watching this game afterwards. And it's it's an awful, awful position to put someone in. I think he's made the right one. I think he's, you know, I, I didn't see it either. I didn't see it go down. It, it definitely, even though I know, I know it's a try, but I can't see it go down. And if I can't see it, unfortunately, can't give it. 
So it's really, really tough. It's awful for us too because I think, you know, we were talking about at the start of the show, in all probabilities, you know, if Ireland played to their potential or close to it, we get to that last weekend and it's a Grand Slam decider. That could have been... That could have been Ireland Could have been Ireland yeah, Scotland, yeah. you know, for a Grand Slam. So, like, it's 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 a bummer for the competition, but yeah. and it's really tough for Scotland to take. And France get away with one. Like, they really get away with one up there. They were um, I, they were arguably worse against Scotland than they were against Ireland. The, and Scotland were decent too, though. Like, yeah. in they were they made it t- tricky for them. I thought they were very good at the rook for, for large parts of the game. Made it really tricky at different periods. But, yeah, France just not looking themselves at the moment. Taking nine and ten out of a team is always going to be uh, tricky. You know, at least for us, we have Gibson Park is a big part of what this team is about and the identity of the team. Sexton's obviously was the key man, but... You know, that is nice for Crowley to have that for the, you know, obviously for the French game and for parts of the uh, the Italy game. So, um, taking nine and ten out, bloody difficult. So, there are that is a tricky one, I think, for them to, to, to get over, Will. You know, that ball was down. I'm just thinking about it again. <laughs> I'm just replaying the image in my mind's eye. Like, where else is the ball other than on the try line in that in that yeah. in that clip? Like, that, it's that, a try, definitely a try, but. Can't see it. I, yeah, I, Will is just trying to win back favours from the Scottish listeners if there's anyone there. <laughs> you're saying the Scottish listeners abandoned this show long ago, I'd say. Uh, there's only so, so much they can take. Um, but Keen, I do agree with your point about Nick Berry. Like, I saw John Brackley, I watched it on BBC, saying like, oh, he should have been the one to make the call. But we only saw that that the potential, uh, you know, try from like a you know a real like intricate camera angle. Like, it's not feasible for the for Nick Berry to shove his head into it into the rook. Like, you know, we've or, we've been telling those those people for a long time, Keen, that we don't want him making that call. Isn't that right? Mm. We're kind of well, the technology, like, is, technology is there. You should use yeah, it. Yeah, know? like I don't think it's feasible. Like he doesn't have X-ray vision. Like to get to, it, we, a, a human wouldn't have been able to see that in real time. I don't think from unless you like. Well, I'm not with 100 certainty. Yeah, you know, and he's not supposed to be. Like he, he if he's 99 percent sure, he should go to the technology. Isn't that right? What do you think, Ian? Or sorry, I'm yeah, putting more in. I, no, couldn't agree more. The technology is there to to use it for a reason. Can you imagine if? he did give it and we were looking back at these replays and we couldn't see conclusive yeah. evidence of the ball touching line, he'd be absolutely slaughtered. So, look, he was in a bit of a no-win situation, I think, there. Well, it brings us on nicely to the, the left-wing moment of the week in association with Bank of Ireland because this actually was my moment of the week. Just the kind of the five minutes at the end of the Scotland-France <laughs> game because I don't know if you remember, like, France had a scrum on their own five so it was just get the ball out, kick it off. All of a sudden, like, Finn Russell actually came in, I think, probably, like, in from the side and, like, kind of scragged it out and all of a sudden Scotland were pushing and then the five, ten minutes. I actually thought it was unbelievable drama. You're, you know, listening to the transcript and the back and forth because, uh, you know, it looked like they weren't giving it. Then it looked like they were about to give it and then no. And then, yeah, just the devastation in the stadium. I, I just, it made for unbelievable drama. So that's my moment of the week. Keem, what was yours? Um, I touched on it earlier, but I've gone for Jack Crowley's no-look pass for Hugo Keenan in the build-up to Dan Sheehan's first try. Um I just thought it spoke to a player who's absolutely brimming with confidence. It reminded me of kind of P. Quade Cooper or Carlos Spencer. I mean, just the audacity to to pull it off. And it also worked really effectively as well. So um, I just love to see it from a 24-year-old who, you know, difficult shoes to step into, adding, you know, different kind of layers to Ireland's attack. And yeah, it was a beautiful moment of skill. Yeah, mine was actually a Crowley moment as well. I was hoping that wasn't going to be the same one. <laughs> it was the the kind of, you know, do you remember Pete O'Mahony's pass to uh, Bundy Aki, kind of in around the back? I think it might have been against Italy as well. Um, 
he had Crowley had one of those type passes, beautiful kind of one hander in yeah. behind the Italian defender. I think it was into Bukluski's hands. There was a great replay of that. The Italian defender kind of going around his back like a beautiful really nice. bit of skill. Like you can tell, he was kind of brimming with confidence. He saw it. Uh, that thing I've been kind of saying about him, he just saw saw the thing to do and just backed himself and delivered it. And it just present the opportunity just presented itself perfectly. And it was a like it was a shoe in of a try from then. Actually, well finished off by the Irish team after lovely, lovely bits of skill and and technique and the passing and fixing players. Um, that was my kind of moment of the um, of the week. I, I'm I'm really pleased for him. I think he's playing great. So hopefully he continues it for the rest of the competition. Well, on that now, two wins from two for Ireland and on course for a Six Nations Grand Slam. Plenty to look forward to over the next couple of weeks. In the meantime, Sinead Sam will have an interview with Andrew Porter out later this week, so make sure you listen to that. That'll be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks so much for listening, and goodbye. Goodbye.